0: Everyone continues to panic over COVID. The media pretend universal mail-in voting is a great idea. And Trump does another disastrous interview. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Stand up for your digital rights. Take action at expressvpn.com. Now, there is a real gap that has emerged in reality. It's a a rift in the space-time continuum. See, there's reality on the one end. And this reality basically says that COVID's bad, it's risky, We should be careful. Also, it says that despite reopening in Texas, Arizona, and Florida, and despite the fact that there were increased hospitalizations and some increased deaths, that that number has started to go down again. The These data suggest that things are not looking bad in places like New York and New Jersey, that despite an increase in cases in Massachusetts, you're not seeing an overwhelming wave of death, that in fact, This is a virus that we are learning how to deal with, that the treatments are getting better, that people are generally being more careful, and that while we should be risk-averse, we should also acknowledge that it's time to get back to something resembling ordinary life. That doesn't mean go into extraordinarily risky circumstances. It doesn't mean don't wear a mask. It does mean that this notion we're gonna lock down forever is very silly, right? That would be the accurate way of putting reality. Then there's the hair on fire media. There are the politicians, and that is, we are all going to die. You, you personally are going to die of COVID. Sure, you're 20 years old and you've never had a health issue in your entire life. You will probably die of COVID. Not only you, all of your friends. Everyone will probably die of COVID. That is the only rationale I can come up with for the way that politicians are currently acting. See, here's the thing. People want government to do all the things. People have this perverse notion that government can save you from all the bad things that happen in the universe. Now, government does have a role when it comes to global pandemics in ensuring, for example, that people cannot enter from countries that the pandemic is is extraordinarily prevalent in the government does have a role when it comes to enforcing public health. But the problem is the government is a blunt force instrument. And this is true in every area of life. Government is not exact. Government is fairly ridiculous. And when government tries to be fairly exact, it tends to fail. So let me give you an example. So over the weekend, my sister-in-law got married. The restrictions that were put on the wedding were ones that were gonna be voluntarily undertaken anyway. There was an outdoor wedding as opposed to an indoor wedding. Everybody was socially distanced. Everybody was wearing masks in the little bridal gifts. That you get when you register for the wedding, there was hand sanitizers, so everybody was hand sanitizing. The restrictions that were placed on the wedding by the state of California were things like, you can't have a dance floor. Okay, I'm not kidding. So it has to be outdoors, and you can't have a dance floor because if there's a dance floor, people might dance. Whereas if there's just an open field, nobody will dance, which of course is ridiculous because people have been dancing for centuries without dance floors. And there are restrictions that said things like, well, you know, you just have to make sure that there are there are shields around everybody who is talking to one another, right? You have to have the plexiglass shields, which is totally fine. Everybody is doing that, except that you're also outdoors and you're socially distancing. In other words, government does not have the capacity to actually do any of this stuff right. The government is a blunt force instrument. Sometimes you need a blunt force instrument. The problem is the most blunt force instrument of the government is the lockdowns. The lockdowns are a button. And basically when people say, government do something, politicians just smash the button. Like a small toddler, they just smash the button. And and it doesn't matter whether smashing the button is merited. It doesn't really matter whether there are actually countervailing problems with smashing the button. Government actors have now been incentivized to smash the button at the first available opportunity, which is actually quite bad because, for example, there are significant problems with smashing the button and doing it over and over and over again. For example, The New York Times reports today that the pandemic that really we should be worried about is the tuberculosis pandemic. Not kidding, the New York Times has an article today about the tuberculosis pandemic saying people are not getting vaccinated. There's a study out today suggesting that everybody being locked in their homes has actually resulted in people having weaker immune systems, which makes perfect sense. This is actually the case during polio. People who are upper income were actually getting getting seriously affected by polio at a higher rate than people lower income because people lower income had their kids out playing in the streets and that was building up their immune system. According to the New York Times, it begins with a mild fever and malaise followed by a painful cough and shortness of breath. The infection prospers in crowds, spreading to people in close reach. Containing an outbreak requires contact tracing as well as isolation and treatment of the sick for weeks or months. This insidious disease has touched every part of the globe. It is tuberculosis, the biggest infectious disease killer worldwide, claiming 1.5 million lives each year. Until this year, TB and its deadly allies, HIV and malaria were on the run. Yet now, as the COVID pandemic spreads across the world, consuming global health resources, these perennially neglected adversaries are making a comeback. Pedro Alonso director of the WHO's Global Malaria Program, says COVID-19 risks derailing all our efforts and taking us back to where we were 20 years ago. It's not just that scientific attention has been diverted from these other much more deadly diseases in terms of global cost. COVID-19 has, to date, killed something like, I believe, three quarters of a million people in a variety of countries, about 700,000 people in a variety of countries. Tuberculosis every year kills 1.5 million people. Obviously, we've done a pretty good job in the United States of San tuberculosis in a way we have not done with COVID-19, but there are costs to shuttering everything in the world. The lockdowns have raised insurmountable barriers to patients who have to travel to obtain diagnoses or drugs. According to interviews with two dozen public health officials, doctors and patients worldwide, fear of COVID and the shuttering of clinics have kept away many patients struggling with HIV, TB and malaria. About 80% of tuberculosis, HIV and malaria programs have reported disruptions in service. In other words, lockdowns have consequences, guys. And this ridiculous notion that you can lock down endlessly and it has no consequences, either economic or health-related consequences. You won't see an uptick in deaths of despair. You won't see an uptick in other childhood diseases becoming much more prevalent because kids are not going in to get vaccinated. It's just not true. We have done the stupidest possible thing you can do in public policy, which is single-factor analysis. Single-factor analysis is where you just say, the worst thing in the world is getting infected from COVID. What can we do to stop getting infected with COVID? And so you just mash that government button. And as we will see, this leads to some incredibly dumb policy Like the policy we are currently seeing in New York. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that hiring can be complicated. So you really do have to take advantage of places that make it a lot easier to hire. Hiring is challenging. There's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, where businesses can connect with qualified candidates. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hiebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow her education tech company. Then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can, too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. By using ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones and then find the right one. In fact, after posting the job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly she hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. So as we look to replace our producer, Katie, who's decided to move on to greener pastures with a better version of Katie, like maybe Katie has a sister or something, but we don't know if Katie has a sister. So we're going to have to go over to ZipRecruiter.com. Go try ZipRecruiter for free. You can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Go check them out right now and make the smartest hiring decision. Okay, so as I say, we are now living in this alternative reality where reality says, Things are not great, but they are also not the end of the world. And this alternative reality, the political alternative reality, where we ignore all data. We ignore actual hard data in favor of overblown headlines that don't actually convey a lot of information. We just go to the most ridiculous version of the headline. You'll remember a few months ago, there were all these headlines coming out of New York. Children suddenly being infected with COVID and having terrible, terrible reactions. You know, Kawasaki-like syndrome reactions. And nobody ever asked how many people was it, and it was like 80. And were those effects permanent? No. But the, this led the news for literally a week. It led the news, right? The, the, the gap is really bad. And that gap is getting worse. The gap between information and simply political coverage is getting worse and worse, which is the reason why, for example, there's a, a woman over at MSNBC who just quit, uh, an MSNBC producer who just quit. And she wrote a letter basically saying the reason she's quitting is because cable news is bad for everybody. She wrote a scathing letter saying that they block diversity of opinion over at MSNBC. And not only do they block diversity of opinion, they also avoid actually reporting good information in order to do segments that are likely to draw eyeballs. So all the incentive structures are wrong. Our politicians are incentivized to smash the lockdown button in order to avoid blame. Our media figures are incentivized to panic at every available opportunity, or alternatively, to blithely dismiss the thing as not a problem at all. And you don't get any good information. You still have, we are now, let's see, we locked down in March. So March, April, May, June, July. We are now in month six of lockdown. Okay, and you still don't know much more about this thing than you did originally because the coverage here is just garbage. It's just garbage. Okay, and some of the scientists have done a poor job of conveying their findings, but it is not just that. It is also that everybody is incentivized wrong. So perfect example of this. Bill de Blasio yesterday announced that outdoor dining will be be the norm in New York through next year. Through next year. How the hell does he know? He says- Open restaurants will return next summer starting June 1st, 2021. Next summer? Not even like January 2021. June 2021. Okay, now, I know. I've got my calendar here. I've been reliably informed that today is August 4th. So he is talking about 10 months of extensions to no no indoor dining in New York. What is the data that supports this? Seriously, what's the data? I get that indoor dining is more likely to spread COVID than outdoor dining is. I've gone to restaurants and done outdoor dining. And when given the option to eat indoors, I eat outdoors. I get it. I'm on board. But we don't know where things are going to be in June 2021. We have no idea where things are going to be in January 2021. We don't know where things are going to be in October 2020. The notion that you're going to shut down all of New York City. I mean, you know how many bodegas are going to go out of business because of this? 15,000 small restaurants have already gone out of business in the United States in the past six months, and they ain't coming back. And he's going to ban basic... Like, there's not a lot of outdoor dining in New York. Hate to tell you, not a lot of space in New York. It was one of the big problems with New York City. So here's Bill de Blasio, idiot communist groundhog murderer mayor of New York, this big weird Frankenstein of a human, saying that open restaurants will return next summer, June 2021. As we'll see in a moment, this is patently crazy. Here's Bill de Blasio being a crazy person. These restaurants will be back again next year on the street as we've seen tremendous success starting June 1st next year. And I wanted to say it now because I want people in communities to look forward and see that we're going to keep coming back strong. I want the folks who own the restaurants to know that they're going to have that additional revenue going forward, the folks who work in the restaurants to know that whatever else we have to weather, we have seen that this experiment worked. So expect to see that wonderful outdoor dining back next year. We may even extend it uh, further earlier in the spring, but we'll start with June 1st for now. Okay, so we're going to shut down. All, he's saying we're going to shut down all of New York basically for for months and months and months and years and years and years. Here's the latest data from New York. Okay, here's the latest data from New York. Okay, the latest data from New York. Let's look at some of these charts. Okay, so here's some charts. Daily testing in New York. Okay, here's the positivity rate. The positivity rate. So in April, the positivity rate on tests in New York City was in excess of 70%. This is from my friend David Bonson. Okay, the positivity rate was in excess of 70%. It has been less than 2% since June 16th. It is currently at less than 1%, the positivity rate in New York City. Okay, how about some more charts? Okay, we, we have this one. This is the total number of cases in Manhattan, okay, in New York City. There are over 6,000 daily cases a day in April. And by the way, that is wildly undercounting because the testing simply was not available. And so there are a lot of people who are getting this and suffering with it who are not being tested positively. On Monday, there were 57 cases. Fifty seven cases in all of Manhattan, in all of Manhattan. Okay, let's look at hospitalizations in New York City In hospitalizations in New York City. OK, 15 total covid hospitalizations. And this has been the case for months, for months since the beginning of June. You've been talking significantly under 100 hospitalizations for covid in New York City. We are now down to 15. OK, and, and the mortalities just don't exist in New York. OK, thank God. Mortalities are just gone. There are many days of zero mortalities. It is always less than 10. It has been less than 10 for weeks. You are now more likely to be shot in New York City than you are to die from COVID in New York City on a daily basis. Hey, that is not an exaggeration. That is a reality. You are more likely today to be shot in New York City than you are to die of COVID in New York City. So when Bill de Blasio announces things like the schools are only going to open under certain conditions and we're going to do it like two days a week and then we're going to shift students in and out and we're going to shut down all the restaurants and we're going to make sure that nobody dines indoors. Like, I have a question. By what metric would you actually be able to reopen anything? And the answer is that by no metric because by the the politics of the situation have completely taken over. This is all insanity. Again, you can be cautious and you can be and you can be smart and you can be risk averse. You don't have to be an idiot. This is idiotic. And okay, lockdown policies like this are idiotic. Meanwhile, over in L.A., we are similarly deploying the LAPD. We won't shut down complete riots in the middle of L.A. streets, so long as you are shouting George Floyd at the time. But we'll make sure that LAPD is deployed to ensure that if somebody has a private party in a mansion on a hilltop with a bunch of 20-year-olds, that the cops show up to break it up. Because the last thing we want is a bunch of 20-year-olds getting COVID and being fine. That's the last thing we want. And by the way, if you're 20, that's what happens. You get COVID and you're fine. And I, I'm noticing that there haven't been a lot of calls about racial profiling here. OK, this is tape from the mansion this is just I don't see any a lot of white faces here. OK, there's a, a very disproportionately minority party. OK, no, no claims of racial profiling here. The cops are fine, apparently, to go to mansions and break up mansion parties with a bunch of 20 year olds, even if those 20 year olds are people of color. right? But if they actually go and they stop people from breaking storefronts on Melrose Boulevard, That's a completely different story. So LAPD responded to a party at a mansion. And again, you can see from the video, these are not 70-year-old black people, right? These are 20-year-olds who are in a pool. This this is what we've come to. This is what we've come to. Does this seem like intelligent policy to you? Like seriously, does it? Because I'm just wondering how, under what circumstances is this intelligent policy to you? By the way, it's not the fault of the cops. Cops are bad, except when they're breaking up pool parties where there's zero risk of harm to 20-year-olds. Then the cops are good. Yeah, you know, it feels like what we really should be doing right now is looking at the fact that everything is trending the right way in places like Texas and Arizona and maybe even California. California seems to have peaked at this point. And we should be saying, oh, look, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. And then it turns out that thanks to the media and thanks to our politicians, that's just a train coming down the other end of the tunnel. Well, in a second, we're going to get to our stupid politicians on a national level going at each other over over covid and all the rest. None of us giving us any sense of confidence because that's what we do. This is, everything is stupid. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let me ask you something. If there was someone out there who kept a log of every single thing you did every minute of the day, like Santa Claus, the naughty and nice list except not bringing you presents, but instead monetizing your data, wouldn't that creep you out? Well, what if I told you that that's what happens when you go online? Your internet provider, at and Comcast, is allowed to store logs of every website you've ever visited and can legally sell this data to anyone. That's why I always use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your internet provider can't see or log what you do online. Now, some of you might be wondering, well, if I'm routing all my data through a VPN, doesn't that just mean the VPN can see what I'm doing and log my data instead? You would be right to think about that. Many VPNs claim to have no logs policy, but have been caught logging customer activity. ExpressVPN is the VPN I trust. They use trusted server technology. They were the first major VPN provider to engineer all of their VPN servers to run in RAM, which makes it impossible for their VPN servers to store any data, including logs, of any ExpressVPN customer. You don't have to take my or ExpressVPN's word for it. ExpressVPN is so confident in their no-logs claim, they even had one of the biggest assurance firms, PricewaterhouseCoopers, audit their technology. It's a good idea to protect yourself from all sorts of bad actors online. ExpressVPN allows you to do this. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben right this moment. Find out how you can get three months for free. That's expressvpncom slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Okay, so if you thought, okay, well, at least maybe there's some experts who are going to give us some sort of you know, good information here and we can trust the experts. I am amazed to see how many politicians, here's the way it works. If Trump says something bad about Fauci, then he's very mean and he's saying something bad about an expert. If Nancy Pelosi rips on Deborah Burks, then she's very good. So over the last several days, for some odd reason, Nancy Pelosi has decided that Deborah Burks is the enemy. A lot of female solidarity happening here. So, yesterday, Nancy Pelosi slammed Dr. Deborah Burks, who's been doing her best in, under trying circumstances at best. Here she was yesterday. And they said, Well, we'll bring a scientist to say that. I said, Well, are sure it's not Dr. Burks? Because I don't have confidence uh, in anyone who stands there while the president says, uh, Swallow Lysol and it's going to cure your. Mm. Virus, you know, you'll kill you and you won't have the virus anymore. I'm not have confidence somebody when the president says it's a hoax, it's magic, it's going to go away by magic, it's a miracle and all of those things. Okay, so um, I have I have a question. Uh, What does she expect Burks to do, like go up and physically tackle Trump? I I love the math here. The math is Trump's doing a bad job. Therefore, we need all of his advisors to quit. And if you stand there and you try to give him good advice, that means that you're bad. Then Andrew Cuomo got in the act. He started slamming Burks, too. So that was that was great. Here's the governor of New York who completely blew it. His state is number one in terms of deaths. It is not close. And uh, and here he was slamming Dr. Deborah Burks. Yeah, look, I think the, the federal uh, officials, the White House, Dr. Burks, the secretary, they're sending the exact wrong message. They've learned nothing in six months. Uh, they're saying the same thing they said about the economic reopening. Just do it. Just do it. It will be fine. And what's really frustrating is we're replicating the mistake with schools that we made with the reopening. It is the exact same point and the White House is saying the exact same thing. Okay, there, there's a problem just with this. Just do no, it. Okay, he's, he's such fun. an idiot. He's such an idiot. First of all, Burks never said, just do it. Second of all, the notion that the reopenings are the cause of the vast spikes, that doesn't actually match up on the timeline. The protests look much more like the cause of the vast spikes than the original reopenings, which happened in May. The uptick happened in July. It's a two-month gap. And then beyond that, him suggesting that schools are just like every other element of society when it comes to reopening is belied by the actual data, which demonstrates that schools have not been vectors of transmission in nearly any country they have been tried. Even in Israel, it is not clear why exactly the schools became a vector for transmission. The best going data right now is that the schools were being seated with people who already had COVID when they went to school. They weren't clean. They were just walking in with COVID already. Okay, so Burks fought back against this. She said she has tremendous respect for Pelosi, but the criticism was uncalled for. And then she suggested that things are still pretty bad, which prompted Trump to hit her. So, you know, definitely what instills confidence in our system of public health is when public health experts like Burks are ripped by the left and then ripped by Trump in response to responding to the left. And then everybody doesn't know what the hell anybody is talking about. And nobody can trust any of the data because no data is being presented in the first place. Do you feel more secure? The great irony of this whole situation is government has never exercised more power in my lifetime than they are currently exercising over American life and abroad. And yet there's going to be an entire group of people who suggest that the answer to all of this is to give government more power, which is patently insane. Have you seen the people who run our government? They're absolute freaking morons. They have the combined IQ of a piece of bread. I mean, they're, they're total dolts. I mean, this is like on all sides. I'm talking about like this is not this is not a partisan point. The people who are in charge of your life are some of the dumbest people I have ever seen in my entire life. They don't know what in the hell they're talking about and they are not presenting good data that you can make good decisions based on and they're not making decisions that make any sense. This is all crazy talk. So here is Burks trying to do her best, you know, kind of clapping back slightly and Nancy Pelosi and then being slapped around by Trump. This is just, I'm sorry, this is all crazy and if you feel sanguine about any of this or if you think Joe Biden's going to solve any of this, that old doddering moron, none of it's going to solve any of it. The train is coming down the, the tunnel, guys, that ain't a light, that's a train. I have tremendous respect for the speaker um, and I have tremendous respect for her long dedication to the American people. And I think um, it was unfortunate that New York Times wrote this article without speaking to me. This was not a Pollyannish view. I have never been called Pollyannish or non-scientific or non-data driven. And I will stake my 40 year career on those fundamental principles. Of utilizing data to really implement better programs to save more lives. Okay, and this prompted Trump to basically say, well, we should be Pollyanish. And it's like, oh here, so Trump then tweeted out, so crazy Nancy Pelosi said horrible things about Dr. Deborah Birx going after her because she was too positive on the very good job we are doing on combating the China virus, including vaccines and therapeutics. In order to counter Nancy, Deborah took the bait and hit us. Pathetic. He's, so now he's ripped Fauci and Burks, Like the two people who are out front, and he brought them out front, now he's ripping them. Do you feel more safe and secure today? I mean, that's, that's really going to be the question. And if you're Joe Biden, all you have to do is sit in that basement and be dead. That's all you have to do. It's the easiest thing in the world. All you have to do is sit in the basement and just be not alive. I mean, people are saying right now, why doesn't Joe Biden get out there and do interviews? Because why in the hell would he? Seriously, why would he? I mean, the, the media are playing cover for crappy Democrats across the country from Bill de Plasio to Andrew Cuomo to Gavin Newsom. They're doing a horrible job, the Democrats. It doesn't matter. The media will cover for them. The media will cover for Nancy Pelosi when she rips on Deborah Burks. And then Trump will jump in with both feet and just instead of him saying, Nancy Pelosi should respect public officials like Deborah Burks who are doing their best and Nancy Pelosi doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Instead, he jumps in and he smacks Birx. Like this is, you wonder why people are feeling a little bit disappointed right now? Why people are feeling a little bit confused? The reason they're feeling a little bit confused is because nobody knows what the hell is going on and nobody is giving them any good, solid information to make them feel like there is a plan in any of this. And that goes for all sides. Now, again, I think the media play a lot of this up. I think the media have an interest in the chaos. I think the media like the chaos. I think the media have engaged in panic porn. If I have to see another story about an individual anecdotal story of somebody who got COVID, all I can say is that is the biggest waste of space in a newspaper I can think of. Anecdotal stories about people who got COVID are not useful. Data sets are useful. It is useful for me to know what risk my parents are at. That's what I want to know. I want to know why we are six months into this pandemic, and I still don't know what the actual infection fatality rate is for various age groups and by precondition in the United States. How is that possible? That's the only question that needs an answer, and we still don't have that data? What the hell is everybody doing with their time? Instead, it's, well, if if Ron DeSantis didn't lock down, then he's a very bad man. But if Andrew Cuomo did lock down, he's a very good man, and Donald Trump is bad and Deborah Brooks is good or she's bad. It depends on who's ripping her at the time. This is all nonsense. It's absolute sheer nonsense. And here's the thing. The fact that it's all chaotic out there meant that if Donald Trump were a good communicator, he could actually be taking advantage of that. Unfortunately, the president happens to be, when it comes to anything that requires any sort of simplistic data analysis, not very good at this. OK, and it's really going to hurt him. If you want to see him winning, if you want to see him stave off Joe Biden and the radical left, you need him to do better than he was doing which brings us to this interview he did with Jonathan Swan yesterday, which is just like, I don't know who's booking his interviews. I swear to God, I don't know who in the comms office is booking these interviews. But like, if you're in the comms office and you're like, you know what? Sit down with the best interviewer in the business, Jonathan Swan. Swan is is a bulldog. Now, I know Jonathan a little bit. He has a long history. John, Jonathan's a very good reporter. Hey, jo- if, you, if your answer was, put the president, after, after going on with Chris Wallace and, you know, having a dicey time, sit down with Jonathan Swan Jonathan Swan morphed into John Oliver during this interview through no fault of his own. And we're going to get to that in just one second. Again, man, I'd love like a great news day. It'd be nice, but we're just not going to get one, I think. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that it's now a bad time to go to an auto parts store. RockAuto.com is much easier than walking into a store and someone demanding quick answers to things like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And then they usually just have to order the part online anyway, because there are so many types of cars, it's impossible to keep them all stocked. You have access to rockauto.com at your desk and in your pocket, all the parts that you will ever need available to you with the click of a button. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like the airlines do. Why would you spend up to twice as much on the same parts unless you're a fool? Rockauto.com, you are no fool. And that is why you have developed both an immunity to iocane power and a knowledge of rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Got amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Go check them out at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for that car or truck Right, Shapiro in there. How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Okay, so all this brings us to the fact that if the media are going to lie about the situation regarding COVID, which they have been doing through very misleading headlines and through political coverage, and if Democratic politicians are going to smash that lockdown button and shut down entire school districts without the data to back it up, if they're going to shut down private schools that are doing their best to protect students, if Democrats have decided full scale across the country that lockdowns are the only solution, that provides an opening for President Trump to be the informational source, right? And this is what you would normally expect from the president. Now, I've said for a long time, people have asked me to grade Trump a thousand times. And what I usually say is I break it down into three categories. One is legislative policy, one is executive policy, and one is rhetoric. When it comes to executive policy, I think the president's been an A minus B plus president. When it comes to legislative policy, I think on judicial nominees, he's gotten... Basically in A minus. I think on everything else it's been like a C plus because you get a tax cut, and that's basically what every Republican president does. And then when it comes to rhetoric, I think he has been absolutely awful in a variety of ways. I think that he's given like five good speeches all off teleprompter. But one of your jobs as president is to be able to communicate not only a sense of stability to the American public in a time of great chaos, but also you have to be able to, in a very basic way, wade through the data. Right? When people say that Ronald Reagan was a great president. They don't mean because he had great spending policy. They mean because he was able to communicate with the American public and to shift people's minds in how they thought about politics. Donald Trump does not have that capacity. And it is a problem in a time when people are living in justifiably great fear and some unjustifiably great fear thanks to the predations of a a vastly polarized media. Okay, so yesterday, Trump sits down with Jonathan Swan of Axios, or he did this, I guess, a week ago. And the video finally broke yesterday. It is just a bleep show. I mean, it's a bleep show. It is bad. It is a bad look for the president. He, he, it was the worst of him on display. Swan is the kind of person who is not going to let you get away with the sort of pat answers that Trump usually gets away with. Swan is the kind of interviewer who when when Trump says things like, many people have said, blah, 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 blah. Swan will say, which people? And then Trump will say, many people say, no, no, no. I want to know which people and what did they say? Which is a completely fair question. Right. so there was a lot of that in this interview. And it was not a good look for Trump. And I had some of his typical kind of Trumpian foibles, you know, things that won't hurt him, but are not great. So he was asked about John Lewis, for example. This clip was going around yesterday. He was asked about the, the late Congressperson, who, again, was a very, very liberal Democrat. I disagreed with John Lewis on a wide variety of policies. But his early, his early, move, his, his early action in the civil rights movement is thoroughly heroic. So Jonathan Swan asks Trump a perfectly predictable question about Lewis, because this was recorded last week and Lewis had just died. And Trump proceeds, to basically say he didn't like John Lewis because Lewis didn't go to his inauguration. Okay, worth noting, Lewis did not go to George W. Bush's inauguration. Bush gave a speech at his funeral. Okay, but here was Trump looking petty. Is this a good look? No, is it gonna hurt him? Not really, but is this a good look? No, it's not. John Lewis is lying in state in the US Capitol. How do you think history will remember John Lewis? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know John Lewis. Uh, he chose not to come to my uh, uh, inauguration. Uh, he chose, uh, I, I don't, uh, I never met John Lewis, actually. I don't believe. Um, what? Okay, so that's a terrible answer. That's number one, a terrible answer. I, I, he didn't come to my inauguration, and that's the sole axis along which, you, uh, uh, along which you judge somebody's entire body of work that seems wrong. Okay, but that wasn't the real bad point. Okay, the real bad point is, in a time of lack of understanding of COVID and how bad things are, you actually have to have some fluency with the fact. and as I mentioned, when he was in this this interview with Chris Wallace a couple of weeks ago, he pointed out that the United States actually has not performed all that badly in terms of COVID. There are plenty of other countries, including the UK and France, that have performed significantly worse in terms of deaths per million. The United States has ramped up testing beyond any other country by a long shot. The United States is also a federalist system. And the great failures in the United States generally happen very early on in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. They represent something like 35 to 40 percent of all deaths across the United States. there, There are plenty of things that can be said. The notion that that Trump was not early enough on masks, the conventional wisdom is still divided on masks is the truth. Virtually everybody in Northern Europe does not wear a mask. There are not even mask mandates in countries like Sweden, in countries like Finland, in countries like Holland. They don't exist. There's plenty of stuff for Trump to say here when he's asked about what have you guys done? What Trump could say is the federal government's job is basically a couple of things. One, trying to achieve a vaccine. Two, trying to shut down foreign travel. And three, trying to ensure that everybody has the resources they need. Otherwise, it's on the governors to determine what needs to be shut down and what needs to remain open. And so if there's a local failure, blaming that on the federal government is a mistake. Have I gotten everything right rhetorically? No. But I think as information changed, I changed some of the things I was saying. I mean, this is not all that difficult. Instead, you get this, which I mean, I'm sorry, this is just a Saturday Night Live sketch. Here's Jonathan Swan asking about the deaths in the United States from COVID and Trump basically just shuffling through papers, handing him a sheaf of charts and then just being like, look at this chart. And Swan's like, I'm looking at the chart. We'll just play the clip. Oh, you're doing death as a proportion of cases. I'm talking about death as a proportion of population. That's where the U.S. is really bad. Well, well, Much worse than South Korea, Germany, etc. You can't, you can't do that. You have Why to go, can't I do that? You have to go by... You have to go by where... Look, here is the United States. You have to go by the cases. The cases Why are not there. as a proportion of when population? We have somebody... What it says is when you have somebody that yeah. has it, where there's a case oh, okay. the people that live sure. from oh. those cases it's surely a relevant statistic to say if the US has x population and x percentage of death of that population no, versus you South have to Korea go by the cases. Well, look at South Korea if, for example 51 million population 300 deaths it's you, like it's you, crazy you compared don't know to not that talk. I do. It's you on the, don't know it's, that. You think they're faking their statistics? Uh, South Korea, I, I an I advanced won't get into country, because they have a very good relationship yeah. with the country. But you don't know that. And they have spikes. Look, here's Germany, one. Germany low nine thousand. Here's one right here. United States. You take anyway. the number of cases and okay. look. We're last. Meaning we're first. Last, I don't know we what we're first. Best. in. Yeah, man. <laughs> okay. So a few problems here again. What he could point, like, there's so many things to say when, when Swan says, OK, South Korea has a very low number of cases. First of all, they didn't they, they didn't take China's protestations that the virus wasn't dangerous seriously, right? They, they ignored China Two, they were never seeded with a heavy number of cases. Three, they were infected with the Asian Asian strain of the virus as opposed to the European strain of the virus. Right? There are a thousand things you could say about South Korea. And when he talks about Germany, Germany was not heavily seeded with the virus. Germany also has seen a worse economic downturn than the United States in the last quarter. So why don't you look at France? Why don't you look at the UK? Why don't you look at Spain? Why don't you look at Italy? And why don't you look at the, again, there are a thousand things Trump could say here, but Trump doesn't have the fluency. And some of that's the fault of his team that needs to inform him. And some of that is the fact that you don't take, you don't take interviews where you don't bother to do the prep, not with somebody like Swan. So does any, does any of this make it more likely that Trump is going to win election? Right now, Joe Biden is just sitting there grinning to himself because he can be as dead as he wants to be. That's going to be the title of Joe Biden's next autobiography. That is I want to be. And just be like a corpse. You can be like a barely animate corpse. You know, being being rolled around on a gurney. Not do any debates, not pick a VP. And as long as Trump does stuff like that, as long as his comm teams rolls him out for stuff like that, it ain't going to be good. Just there's such an opening here for a president capable of conveying information to the public. And this is why when Trump was doing the early pressers on COVID, it was actually quite useful. It was quite good. He was on point. But this was not the venue for him, and that is, that is really going to hurt him. Now, again, he's operating in a context in which the media hate his guts, in which people are trying to tear him down, in which they're frankly lying about the performance of the federal government. Again, they keep saying the federal government failed. Every single Democratic governor said, we asked for ventilators, we got ventilators. We asked for testing, they ramped up the testing. We asked for PPE, they ramped up the PPE. Democratic governors from Whitmer to Cuomo to Newsom have all said this. Okay, and the media don't report that because it doesn't go along with the narrative that this is all Trump's fault. Trump has to be better on defense. He has to be better at defending himself. And, and saying South Korea is lying about its stats ain't gonna cut it. And meanwhile, Democrats are taking advantage of the situation in order to promote universal mail-in voting. Again, it is amazing. The media are just... I keep ripping on the media because this is a time when you would have to have faith in your institutions to bring you actual relevant information. But the media are so in the tank for the Democrats and for every Democratic platform position that they're just willing to ignore all available data. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about something you can do amazing for your children. So... Maybe your kid's school is not reopening. Or maybe it's only opening a couple of days a week. Or maybe you're doing Zoom learning. The reality is you're at home with your kids more than you ever have been. And they need things to read. But you don't know which books are best for your kids. Let me tell you about an amazing, amazing service. I love this service. I use it for my kids. It's just terrific. It's called Literati. It's the subscription book club that makes it easy to find unique, thought-provoking books for your kids by delivering great stories straight to your doorstep. Literati knows that home deliveries are critical for meeting your need for uplifting educational tools in in the coming weeks, Reading books together helps create a time of adventure and bonding for your family and has real educational benefits. Kids who read books have better vocabularies, longer attention spans. I can tell you, my daughter loves literati. She is six. She is reading at fourth grade level. She is, she loves it. She's super into it. Also, I'm bragging on my daughter. Each literati box contains five beautiful books based on a theme, contains exclusive original art and a personalized note to your kid. I promise you, every time I get a literati box, my kids like freak out. They are so into it. Literati actively curates stories that spark curiosity and promote independent thinking, saving you hours of searching the store or scrolling through lists of mediocre books online, and Literati does beat the Amazon list price. Then you keep your favorites, you send the, back, the rest back for free, which means you're only paying for books your kids will love. For a limited time, go to literati.com slash for 25% off your first two orders. This is the best offer available anywhere. To get it, you have to go to literati.com slash for 25% off your first two orders. Literati.com slash Go check them out. Fantastic service. Now, we're going to get to more of everything in just one moment. Democrats continuing to claim that universal mail-in bo- voting is the solution, and the media echoing that, despite the fact that the data show this ain't, not only isn't a solution, it's a serious problem. We'll get to that in a second. But first, if you're not yet a Daily Wire All Access member, you are missing out, gang. All Access, it's our most exclusive membership tier, featuring behind-the-scenes access to us, the podcast hosts, as well as writers and special guests. All Access members are also given early access to new Daily Wire products. As part of that, I'm excited to announce our brand-new Limited Count Collector's Edition Baseball Bat in collaboration with Pillbox Bat Company. Check this beautiful baby out. Oh, yeah. It is handcrafted right here in the United States, emblazoned with the Daily Wire logo right there. And this run of bats they will each be engraved with the individual number in the order they were produced from 1 to 100. The bats currently only being offered to our all-access membership tier. So join or upgrade now before they are all gone. Text the keyword baseball to three We'll send you the link to check out this limited collection edition bat. And now... If you're not yet an All Access member, coupon code access will get you 20% off right now. All Access members you also get to participate in All Access Live. That's where one of the Daily Wire hosts hang out with you for a live discussion Sunday. Was a great live stream. The Daily Wire's own Jeremy Boring watched the return of the SpaceX Dragon capsule and crew with All Access members hosted a discussion with them. Afterward, I'm doing one tonight again. Text the keyword baseball to 83400 to purchase your collector's edition bat. Get 20% off All Access right now with coupon code access that is baseball to 83400 coupon code access. You are listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. So let's talk about mail-in voting. So the the Democrats are now pushing voting by mail. And the suggestion is, again, anti-science. Okay, The suggestion is, just as with schools, they keep saying the schools must remain closed. They must remain closed. First of all, let me make clear. I think there are a lot of teachers out there. I got some emails on this yesterday. I think there are a lot of teachers who want to teach a lot of young, healthy teachers who want to teach and and understand how essential they are in the lives of children and are, are treating themselves as essential workers in the same way that essential workers treated themselves as essential workers. Right? we keep hearing teachers are essential workers. Yes, the essential workers worked right? during the pandemic. The essential workers went to work. Teachers are essential enough. They should also be going to work just as cops went to work, just as firefighters went to work. And let's be real about this. Teachers are generally at less risk than our firefighters or cops or even Amazon workers in all likelihood because they're dealing less with adults and more with children. Okay, so that is one area in which the media have just been utterly irresponsible in their coverage of the data. Another area, we keep hearing that we need to vote by mail, that if if people have to wait in line to vote, this is gonna cause massive spikes in COVID. The evidence just ain't there. It ain't. It's the same media that will tell you that you can protest in the streets with millions of other people with no mask and breathe all over each other while shouting and be safe as long as you are saying social justice warrior things. Is telling us that if you stand in line four feet behind another person, and then you go and vote, that you're going to die of COVID. Okay, there's one problem. This is not true. It is simply not true. According to the CDC, after after 19,000 people voted in person in Milwaukee, April 7th, which was the middle of the spike, 14 tested positive for the virus. 14 out of 19,000. According to the CDC report from Milwaukee, there were no spikes in cases anywhere else in the state due to the election either. According to Elizabeth Goodstead, spokesperson for the Wisconsin Department of Health Services, 71 people who tested COVID-19 positive throughout the state after April 9th and developed symptoms before April 21st reported they voted in person or worked the polls on Election Day. But several of those people reported other possible exposures as well. So it's not accurate to say that the 71 cases were the result of in-person voting because some of those infections probably came from other sources. A total of 413,000 people voted in person statewide in Wisconsin April 7th. Although a much smaller number of Wisconsinites participated in protest marches following the killing of George Floyd, Wisconsin officials are aware of 28 confirmed cases reported attending a protester rally during early June, during the two weeks before getting COVID-19. So the the notion that voting in Wisconsin was like a great threat to public health, it just was not true. It just was not true. But that doesn't matter. Democrats are pushing mail-in voting. Why? Because Democrats love mail-in voting. Mail-in voting combined with ballot harvesting gives them advantage in many different districts. If you remember back to the 2018 election, the early reports in the night, you can go back and watch our coverage. We live, we live streamed it. The early reports is that Democrat, uh, were that Democrats would have a good night, but it wasn't gonna be a wave. Then over the course of the next 10 or 15 days, a bunch of late breaking votes came in from California thanks to ballot harvesting and seven different congressional districts that had been Republican flipped to Democrats and it became a wave. That was because of ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting is this idiotic and what should be illegal practice where you have third parties come and pick up your ballot for you that are not impartial. So the Democratic Party sends out a person to pick up your ballot from you, which basically means that the better funded the party is, the more ballots they're going to be, be able to pick up. They're going to ignore everybody else who didn't get the ballot off in time, but they make sure that your ballot gets in. Also, if you hand them a blank ballot, they are a Democratic operative. And by the way, you've seen the same thing even in uh, even in I think there's a district in North Carolina where, where something similar happened. Voter fraud is a thing. OK, it is to pretend that it does not exist and the possibility it does not exist counters a significant number of cases in which it's pretty clear that it has had a significant impact on America's future. Most obviously, when Al Franken basically stole a Senate seat from Norm Coleman in Minnesota after 350 ballots were discovered, going for Al Franken in a car like a month after the election. In any case, Nancy Pelosi says that voting by mail is a health issue. Again, there's not evidence. There's not evidence that if you stand in line and socially distanced to vote, that you have somehow raised your risk dramatically of contracting the disease. Here is Nancy Pelosi basically lying here. Right now, even more important because it is a health issue. People should not have to choose between jeopardizing their health with the coronavirus and being able to exercise uh, their right to vote. OK, so, you know, uh, again, y- you are not being asked to jeopardize your right to vote. You can request an absentee ballot. But the idea of universal mail-in balloting because of the pandemic, if you want confusion, you want insanity definitely pursue this. The post office is terrible. Everybody understands the post office is garbage at its job when it comes to ensuring that things get there on time. How many times have have they lost things in the mail? Like a lot, right? How many times have, like, if if you move to a different state, you'll probably still be forwarded a ballot from your home state. Okay, that is a thing that will happen. Can you imagine? It'll take months to tabulate how these votes are going to go. The House Oversight Committee, according to the AP, has invited the new Postmaster General to appear at a September hearing to examine operational changes at the Postal Service that are causing delays in mail deliveries across the country. The plan, imposed by Louis DeJoy, Republican and fundraiser who took over the top job at the Postal Service in June, eliminates overtime for hundreds of thousands of postal workers and orders the mail be kept until the next day if postal distribution centers are running late. Representative Carolyn Maloney, New York Democrat, said the September 17th hearing will focus on the need for on-time mail delivery during the ongoing pandemic and upcoming election. Now, can you just imagine how bad this is going to be? So, Chuck Schumer, the Senate Minority Leader, he says the mail delivery must be timely. Um, I'm—I mean, has he lived in the United States with the post office for any prolonged period of time? Stuff gets lost in the mail really, really regularly, and is not supremely timely, which is why FedEx FedEx exists. Here's Chuck Schumer basically tacitly acknowledging that the post office is not going to be able to do this. We Democrats believe strongly that we have to have free and fair elections, that the mail must be delivered in a timely way because so many more people are going to vote by mail. So many more polling places need to be set up because of covid. You can't be close together. OK, a- a- again, if you think the, the post office is going to solve this problem, good luck to you. Mike Pence pointed out yesterday that if you can, you can still apply for an absentee ballot if you want. But mail in universal mail in is ripe for fraud. This is obviously true. Jimmy Carter had basically suggested something like this 20 years ago. Here was the vice president yesterday. Let's be clear, though, Laura, absentee balloting is perfectly acceptable. You have to apply for an absentee ballot. Signatures are checked. It's confirmed. It has a long tradition. And we want to encourage any American that is not able to go to the polling place for any reason to apply for an absentee ballot today. But this universal mail-in voting where you're going to see literally ballots showered all across the state. Yeah. Uh, it, it, just, it's, it is right yeah. for fraud, and, and we are headed straight uh, to the courts to put a stop to it. Okay, the, the, Definitely what would be best for the country is if we have a contested election in which we don't know the result for a month, and nobody has confidence in the results. And yet Democrats seem pretty sanguine about this. James Clyburn, representative of South Carolina, says, listen, there'll be some fraud with almost anything. Like nearly anything there will be fraud. I mean, like, so who cares? The president of the United States expressing his opinion about mail-in voting, it's not the facts. The state of Washington has been doing this forever. And they have found that there's almost no fraud. You will have fraud in almost anything. Yeah, fraud in almost anything is not an excuse for making it easier to commit fraud. My favorite part of this is Joe Biden from his basement claiming that Trump is going to try to claim the election is rigged. Okay, we've now had several years, what, four years of Democrats claiming the 2016 election was rigged. So it'll be great. Everybody will have no confidence in our public health system because we have no idea what's going on. We will have no confidence in our electoral system because we have no idea how people are voting. It's going to take a month to figure this thing out. Everything's going to go great, guys. It's all going to be fine. Don't worry. Everything is good. Everything is good. Meanwhile, if you want to make sure that we, we have no confidence in what happens going forward, the media coverage of particular ugly police incidents is not going to, is not going to make Anybody in the United States more sanguine. I've been warning for months, by the way, uh, to take an example. I've been warning for months that the George Floyd prosecution, the prosecution of the officers in the George Floyd case is likely to go sideways. If you want to see Officer Derek Chauvin go to jail, then probably they should have filed for an assault charge. Right? He, he knelt on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes. You can say that he was negligent. Right? He could, he could try to make a third degree homicide claim. They're instead going for a first degree homicide claim, I believe, a second and a second degree of homicide. Second degree homicide, I think, is what they're going for which requires like an actual willingness to kill somebody. Okay, there, there's no evidence, like the evidence on that is extraordinarily scanty. You might be able to go for negligent homicide. The tape demonstrates, however, that none of these guys thought that they were killing George Floyd or even thought they were being negligent about killing George Floyd. So yesterday, the reason this comes up is because yesterday the Daily Mail leaked more of the tape from the George Floyd arrest, like the minutes leading up to the, the eight minute tape that we've all seen, that horrible tape of Derek Chauvin kneeling on George Floyd's neck. Okay, The media should have covered this responsibly from the beginning by including all the details because maybe that would have led to a non-overcharge. Okay, there are a few things in the minutes leading up to George Floyd, that the situation that we've all seen with Derek Chauvin with his knee on George Floyd's neck. There are a bunch of things in the minutes leading up that cut against the homicide case against Derek Chauvin. Okay, so just to sum these up, one, the police, when they arrest George Floyd, they tried to talk to him. They tried to be nice to him. They did this for many long minutes. Second, there were other people in the car, which I was not aware of. I didn't realize Floyd wasn't in the car alone. And those other people didn't resist the cops. They didn't resist arrest. And they're fine. Right? They're standing off to the side, talking to the, to, talking to the police, and they are completely fine. Third, you'll hear in these clips that George Floyd is begging, begging not to be put in the car. He says he would rather be on the ground than in the car. And he is saying, I cannot breathe before he is even on the ground. Now, this does mesh with the original state autopsy report, which suggested that the cause of death was not asphyxiation. The problem with a homicide case is you have to prove proximate cause. You have to prove that the cops actually caused his death. But it seems a lot more like, at best, stress exacerbated an already bad medical situation. When they arrived, he was not lucid. When they arrived, he was already acting wild and claiming he could not breathe. The reason I'm bringing this up is not to say that you should be allowed to kneel on somebody's neck for eight minutes. The reason I'm saying this is because when the media do not cover these cases and include all of the fact pattern, what you end up with is a belief that these guys will definitely end up in jail. And then it turns out that the fact pattern is a little more complicated and they may very well get off. So if you liked the riots last time around, wait until the officers are acquitted because of the prosecutorial overcharge brought by A.G. Keith Ellison in Minnesota. Here's a little bit of the tape that was released yesterday. The media are not covering this tape because, again, it cuts against a lot of the case that's being made, namely that the officers knew that Floyd was dying and disregarded everything. Again, he was claiming he could not breathe when he was sitting in the car, okay, which suggests that when he claimed he couldn't breathe lying on the ground, they were gonna take that with exactly the same level of seriousness. Okay, here's here's a little bit of the tape. You see hands. Oh, man. My, Stay in the I'm car, sorry. let I'm me sorry. see your other hand. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm let sorry. me see your other hand. Please, please, please. Both hands. Please, please, please. Both hands. Man, I, got, I got shot the same way as I before. OK, well, when I say let me I'm see sorry. your hands, you put your oh, hands off. So OK, so he doesn't man. put his hands on the wheel, and he uh, does. Then, once he does, the, the, the officer with his gun drawn puts the gun back down. Floyd is basically begging the officers in this tape. I mean, it's all terrible. Floyd is begging the officers. I don't want to be hurt. And they're saying, we're not going to hurt you. Everything's fine. And everything was fine until he resisted arrest, which does not justify the actions of the officers, but makes it much more difficult to claim premeditated murder, which is what they're trying to claim, basically. Okay. then he says he doesn't want to get in the car. He says, and they're saying to him, we'll open the window for you. They're saying we'll open the window for you. We'll make sure that you can breathe. Right. These are not the actions of officers who deeply do not care about George Floyd, at least up to the point where he's on the ground right, and actively resisting arrest. Here's a little bit more of the tape. Please crack it for me and stuff, man! God, I right. am pathophobic for real, Mr. Robinson! You got him? Could you please crack it for me, please? From yes, my stay with me, will crack it. I will. Please stay with me, man. Thank you. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Grab a seat. Okay. Okay. All right, okay. have a of out, I'll roll the mind, windows right? down, okay? They're saying they'll stay with him. They'll roll windows the windows down out. for him. And I just had COVID, man. I not want to go back to that. Okay. He says I already have COVID. Out. Hey, listen! Dang, man! He's already claiming that he's going to die before he even gets in the car because of claustrophobia and because he was, in fact, high on fentanyl, according to the autopsy reports. Again, the point here is not the officers did the right thing. That's not the point at all. The point is the media's irresponsible coverage of situations like this is going to lead to revelations in the jury trial that may end up with the acquittal of the officers. So you should be made aware of this before you actually get to trial. The media instead largely ignored this yesterday, which suggests that They're going to cover this in the same way they covered the Michael Brown trial. They're going to suggest that Michael Brown was wrongly shot even when the evidence went the other way, and then the officer ended up being exonerated. Now, in this case, George Floyd should not have been treated that way by the officers. An assault charge was probably more justifiable on the grounds that have been put forward. So this is, you know, again, wonderful job by, by the media all around here. Wonderful job by the media. Okay, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. We will also see you here tonight for an all-access live. In the meantime, go pick up a copy of my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. We'll catch you in a little bit. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, Executive Producer Jeremy Boring, Supervising Producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, Assistant Director Pavel Wydowski, Technical Producer Austin Stevens, Playback and Media Operated by Nick Sheehan, Associate Producer Katie Swinnerton, Edited by Adam Saievitz, Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina, Hair and Makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. President Trump appeals to the silent majority. Joe Biden's handlers want him to ditch the debates. And the Minneapolis Police Department release body cam footage of George Floyd. We'll get into all of it. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's say you were a stormtrooper and you were enjoying a nice meal of roasted Ewok in the Death Star mess hall. Well, all of a sudden you hear the voice of Alec Guinness saying, use the force, Luke. The next thing you know, the entire place is going up in flames around you. And it's at this moment you really wished you had life insurance. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping right now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy and protect your family. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. Well, they're on hand to help talk you through it. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. It's super satisfying to check life insurance off that to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, God forbid, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not gonna follow you if you leave your job. Head on over to policygenius.com right now. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash